0: Hi guys! <laughs> Thanks for listening. Um, so this is a podcast where we'll be discussing current affairs in the light of Greek theater. In particular, Greek tragedies. But we might branch out. Who knows? It could be any kind of theater, but for now we're sticking with Greek tragedies. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Thought we'd start strong. So I'm Pesha Magid. I'm a freelance journalist um, based in Istanbul right now. I write a lot about refugees and gender. Uh, I'm Katie Nadberny. Some people know me on the internet as
1: Katrinka. I'm a travel writer and I am a, an ex theater kid.
0: <laughs> yeah. But
1: I mostly write about uh, culture and food and weird subcultures and things like that.
0: Yeah. So basically, we're both writers and also we're theater obsessives. Theater obsessives. Most saliently. So we have a lot to say about theater and politics, and we thought, what better place to do it than a podcast? And, uh, we really both believe that all of these plays, though they're very old,
1: are still very relevant, especially with everything going on in the world. As you will see in this podcast. This so. podcast gets, this is <laughs> going
0: to like, preview, I know it's going to get really real. <laughs> so
1: let's dive in then, I guess.
0: So we're starting out with the Bacchae. You want
1: to give a synopsis?
0: Okay, so the Bacchae is, I think, one of the most famous of the Greek tragedies, yes. right? Yes. Um, and it tells the story of Dionysus. So Dionysus is famously the god of, you know, drinking and pleasure and excess. And this kind of happens right at the beginning of Dionysus' time as a god. He was born um, to a human woman. Uh, Zeus was his father. She was killed by a lightning
1: bolt because Hera was jealous that Zeus impregnated a a mortal. And so people didn't believe that the father was Zeus. Her sisters don't believe the father is Zeus. Her town doesn't believe the father
0: is used. and And she's royal, and her sisters come from Thebes. Dionysus also then has this connection to Thebes. And no one in Thebes believes that Dionysus is a god. They all deny his divinity as We will probably learn, over the course of several episodes, the number one no-no in Greek tragedies is hubris. You do not deny gods. Yeah, don't piss off the gods. It's it's just a bad idea. It never
1: goes well. So Dionysus doesn't like that they don't think he's a god, so he comes to Thebes and sets up his sort of, like, bacchanalia... uh, among the women of
0: Thebes. He sort of
1: lures them to his, to join him as the Bacchae. And he specifically them, right?
0: targets his mother's sisters who refuse to believe her, um, when she said that she was impregnated by Zeus. Yeah, and sort of starts this, his own, I'm gonna use the word cult, but really
1: that's because I want to talk about cults <laughs> later, but let's say he starts his own little cult and uh, takes revenge in a really brutal way. In a
0: very brutal way. One of his mother's sisters' um, son is the grandson of the king of Thebes and has kind of taken over running Thebes. His name is Pentheus. And Pentheus completely denies that Dionysus is a god and thinks that what, you know, the women kind of like going crazy and living this crazy bacchanal life in the woods is completely against morality and wicked, and he wants to capture all of them and throw them into prison. He's kind of the representation of hubris.
1: Yes. So Dionysus disguises himself and convinces Pentheus that he can show him the Bacchae and their rituals. And Pentheus is totally into this. He's, like, really
0: into
1: it. Which I'm sure we'll also be talking (laughs) about. And so uh, he dresses Pentheus up as a woman and leads him to the woods and then sort of traps him on top of a tree and then turns the women, including Pentheus's mother, loose on him. And they tear him apart limb by limb. And his mother, in her frenzy, doesn't realize it's her son and carries his head back to the palace, thinking she's killed
0: a lion. And then as she slowly comes to her senses, she realizes that she's killed her son. She and her father uh, both accept that they were in the wrong for refusing to accept Dionysus and accept that they have to go into exile and never uh, see anyone in their family again and live and lands unknown after the destruction of their family and that is greek tragedy <laughs> <It's> done <dead. laughs> <laughs>
1: nice uplifting play <laughs> but it is one of the most famous it's probably definitely the most famous one but there's everybody's. also some like
0: very fun bits in it and it's great
1: but i think both of us in revisiting the bacchae were surprised to find it wasn't exactly what we remembered it
0: yeah i think that i for me at least certain parts of the bacchae where they're describing what they are doing and i think i like took those parts in my memory yeah. and separated it from everything else and I was just like this is a play that focuses on women being wild and free and Which going against sexual norms yeah. but not some. It's so different because like I,
1: I mean you think Dionysus god of wine god of pleasure like yes that is my god <laughs> especially like especially when I was in college and like we'd throw parties and we'd call them bacchanals like it was just it was sort of that kind of it's like you have all your classes and you pick the parts that you like the best. like yeah. those are the parts we like the best, like drinking a lot of wine, often in the woods, actually. And, and the al- idea of excess, right? And I mean, excess and ecstasy, but like, and also I always, partially because a version I saw of it when I was in college cast Dionysus as a woman. But I always liked thinking of Dionysus as a woman, yeah. even if they're calling him he, whatever. But I th- I think that the gender lines being blurred is. I would say deliberate. If that's
0: a thing they were doing, I think then, it's a hundred. With Dionysus, I mean, he's. It, I, I. don't think that you know Greek people necessarily had a word for gender queer, but he's a hundred percent gender queer. Totally, I mean, totally.
1: And I was surprised how much of that is actually explicit, kind of not necessarily with just Dionysus, but with the way he and Pentheus kind of go about. This play is so queer.
0: It's so queer. It's so crazy queer. Pentheus is such a hard one for Dionysus that it's a little bit like, okay, calm down, honey. Yeah. You know, like, ask him out on a date first. It's so funny, like, the stuff you think is more subtext,
1: and you reread it, and you think, no, this is text. Like, it's all there. It's not, you know... It's not your high school theater teacher's interpretation of it. Like,
0: not even a little bit. Now, the Greeks got really body. I mean, yeah. they you know, it's, it's interesting when I compare it to, I don't know. Even when you're reading, I think, like Elizabethan literature, you kind of mm-hmm. have to look in between the lines to oh, figure sure. out when they're talking about sex. But here they're openly saying, like, oh, yes, and then the women would take the men off to have sex with them in clearings. Yeah. And it's like, okay.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of references to rods in this, too. A lot of rods. <laughs> A lot of uh,
0: free-flowing honey. Oh, yeah. A lot of
1: free-flowing milk. I think I was reading a weird translation about, like, honey... Something about honey coming out of... I wasn't sure what they were referring to. Honey (laughs) coming out of somewhere, and I was like... I meant to actually look that up again, but I... I, Okay. But, yeah, just... Even cross-dressing is explicitly a plot point. I mean, that's how they disguise him I mean clearly it's a trick but how they disguise him and get him to the woods and he loves it
0: yeah he's like all these although I don't know how I mean like okay so if we're gonna get into the problematic aspects of the play there are so (laughs) many and there are so many (laughs) there are so many I feel like the way that the cross-dressing of Pentheus is framed is you know as something that ridicules him and um shows that he is crossing gender boundaries that he shouldn't be crossed and it's part of the reason why he ends up getting punished
1: yeah you Which know what he is, reminds
0: me of? Mm-hmm.
1: He's like all of those very conservative politicians who they catch like soliciting people yes! in bathrooms. That's what it reminded me
0: of. Yes, no, we do a hundred percent. I yeah. mean, like, he's a hundred percent the really repressed homophobe. Totally repressed. Really. Yeah. Who was that really conservative guy who's like found like having sex with like a cowboy in an airport bathroom? Oh,
1: there's so many of them, and I know exactly who you're talking about, and I'm totally blanking. Anyway, I mean, that's Pentheus. Yes, that's who I was thinking of. <laughs> so I'm curious to hear. More of how how that all of that played to you. Tell me why tell me how you found it problematic with Pentheus.
0: I mean, so with Pentheus, I felt divided about it because on the one hand, since I agree with you, I read him as you know, a repressed, you know homophobe, uh, someone who is really angry about other people's desires because he's pushing down his own. Like, I, 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 underst- I kind of like the comeuppance part of it, you know, that he his, you know, his own desires kind of are end up bringing him down. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I kind of, you know, I felt like it, at the end of the day, there, it was still very gendered. You know, when yes. he got there, they killed him because he was a man who was watching their rights. Yeah. And I would have preferred it if it was a bit more revolutionary about the idea of gender and a little bit less essentialist about like women and men. And yeah. I feel like overall the play was pretty essentialist about women's roles and men's roles even though the subject of the play was about women going outside of their roles. Yeah. And so I I was displeased with the way that plot point worked out. Specifically about the part, you know, where the Bach guy recognized him, and they're like, there's a man amongst our midst. You know, yeah. I'm, I wasn't really so upset with him being... I was like, I really enjoyed the scene where he was like, oh yes, i love to dress up in women's clothing. It took him like two seconds to switch. Yeah. But he, exposing his hypocrisy wasn't enough for me to entirely embrace the plot point, you yeah. know, as an mm-hmm. idea.
1: It, okay, that's a good segue into something that really bothered me about reading this this yeah. time around, which is that... You know, we mentioned that like the idea of the Bacchae was something that has always appealed to both of us, but reading it this time, it made me think of a podcast I listened to recently, which was about uh, the Charlie Manson murders mm-hmm. in the late 60s. And I found it impossible to not think of this parallel when I was mm-hmm. reading it, of, like, charismatic man saying he's a god. Okay, Dionysus <laughs> is a god, okay, but, like, charismatic man saying he's a god, and, like, mm-hmm. having all of these women be his followers and kill people, And so it didn't seem empowering to me when they did that at the end. It felt like they were, you know, they were all, like, uh, under Dionysus' spell. Like, it felt, like,
0: culty in a way that I found really uncomfortable. I mean, I think what's especially uncomfortable about it is that, you know, at the end, uh, Agave, the uh, Mm -hmm. appendicitis mother who killed him, she... You know, doesn't directly say I hate the Bacchanals, but she indirectly says it. You know, she's learned her lesson that she can't disrespect Dionysus, but she's not happy about it. Obviously, yeah. she killed her son. You know, at the end of the day, the only woman we've at all really followed as a character is completely punished by you know the Bacchanals. Yeah, no, and so like it just is. A group. So it, it, like you're saying, it isn't really a you know uh, kind of claiming of power. No. When when it's not something that you want to do, yeah, know? exactly. Dionysus is the
1: only one with the power, and Dionysus is kind of a dick in this play. I mean, he's so mm-hmm. vengeful, you know. Like he he punishes everyone. I would say even the Bacchae.
0: Like he tricks them into killing Pentheus. I just I don't know. I feel like okay. So I I, I feel like I because there's parts of it that I want to defend. Yeah. <sighs> Maybe I just don't want to let it go. And this Bache is house. how I feel, too, though. <laughs> like, I love this play, and then I've been thinking about what to say for this, and I just keep thinking, oh, but it's, it's
1: making me so uncomfortable in a way I wasn't expecting.
0: I know. Okay, so, I mean, part of the reason why it makes me so uncomfortable is that there are almost no women's voices in it except for the chorus members and except for Agave at the very end when she's being completely punished and realizing the horror of what she's done. Yeah. Um, And I that made me very uncomfortable. I was hoping for a Bacchae monologue. Yeah. At some point. But... On the other hand, the other thing I thought about is, okay, so this, this plays so much about God, right? Mm-hmm. And so the way that I could kind of literature major my way around this yes. <laughs> is if you take Dionysus and you take God as a metaphor. Mm-hmm. So at one point they kind of compare the gods to tradition, to living in a certain way. And so I thought, okay, if you take what God means, if you take what believing in Dionysus means, if you take what the Bacchanal means, if you take what going to the frenzy means as kind of like a metaphor for doing certain types of traditions and those types of traditions not being respected by, you know, mainstream society, then I think it can become a lot more empowering. But I understand that I just did a bunch of dancing around. I mean,
1: that's what it all is, really. It's just making, (laughs) it's it's finding your own interpretation.
0: Yeah. And if you take and if you take Dionysus to be like a way of living, I think it can be a more empowering thing, you know?
1: Yeah. Assuming that they are doing it by their own choice. Yeah. And they're not just bewitched.
0: I mean, okay, in the context of, you know, like what madness means, uh. right? Like they keep calling over and over again Pentheus mad. Yeah. in comparison to everyone around them. So I think the idea is that like if a god fits divinity that's making you lose your mind in a certain way it's not really losing your mind. But losing just, yeah. your mind is to deny divinity.
1: It's like the repression thing. Like yeah, like the morally pure thing in the context of this play isn't uh isn't denying the rituals. Yeah. It's letting yourself partake in the rituals.
0: I think so. And I mean, I think that like While I see the Manson parallels really strongly, I also think that it is important to acknowledge that, you know, Dionysus is a god, Yeah. you know, and so what what god means, I think, is key when you're examining, or, like, what you choose god to mean, um, like, when you're interpreting the play, I think, kind of changes how you look at it overall. Yeah, definitely true. Because god, because, like, Dionysus could just be, uh, you know, charismatic male figure who, um which is women, but that is not an interpretation that I like. You know, yeah. that interpretation takes power away from women, and also I think it falls very easily into the trope of, like, you know, women being hysterical and unable to control themselves, which is not something that I'm yeah, I'm fond of. Yeah. Um, I prefer the idea of, uh, I don't know, like, touching something primal through divinity.
1: But this is why it made me so uncomfortable, because I agree with you. Mm. I, I want it to be that. And I've never read it and had not thought about it as that before. Yeah. And this time I... It just kept pulling me towards this other thing. Yeah, the beauty of these plays is they can be interpreted in so many ways. You could do a whole production like this, you could do a whole production another way, and neither would be wrong.
0: Yeah, but I mean, it is it is pretty it is pretty dark. No, no two ways that you look about, at it. Because I mean,
1: he does get ripped limb from limb at gets, the end of the play. <laughs> he gets
0: ripped limb from limb. Agave is not happy. Cadmus isn't happy. Also it's just, okay, it's just, it's so problematic, because, because you, um, you know, as a, as a liberal person who thinks about queerness a lot, and thinks about gender a lot, um, I don't want, and also about the way that queerness and gender are often framed, especially politically, Mm -hmm. as being something that is, you know, will lead to kind of the breakdown of society, Um, Will lead down to the breakdown of morals, which is perverse and wrong. I don't like that. Part of this play seems to justify that idea, and like you know, if we're comparing, you know, the this to a cult, that also especially like kind of with the cult of Charles Manson, right? Like I feel like that is I can see the closeness there, the parallels there very easily, and I also think that part of the reason why Charles Manson. Is so fascinating to so many people is because he also perfectly symbolized at the time the terror that a lot of like mainstream society had of the hippie movement and of kind of like radical people going and kind of taking their sons and daughters and turning them into unrecognizable killers who are like you know having sex everywhere and mixing that with drugs and then mixing that with killing like all of that, like melaging together, yeah. together into some really, you know, uh, kind of horror, like, you know, horrifying and disgusting stew. That in, in, and I think in a lot of like conservative people's heads, and I think that that nightmare of Charles, you know, that of that Charles Manson, you know, type of liberalism still continues to this day and still fuels a lot of really, you know, homophobic beliefs and laws as well. So to bring it back to modern day politics. One of the things that I report on a lot is the way that the state uses homophobia as a tool to put itself um, in the position of being a moral authority. Mm -hmm. So they will frame the LGBT identity as not just being a sexual preference um, or desire, they will frame LGBT identity as representing corruption and the destruction of tradition and moral values. Yeah, and they will say that this is going to break down society, and so we need to protect society from that, and so as the state, we need to be given great powers in order to make sure that society stays the society that we've always known. Obviously, that is really fucked up because it hurts individuals, and B, it's really fucked up because I I do think that there are a, are a lot of moral precepts in society that should be broken down. Yeah, And so then when it comes back to this, I feel like it gets close to being kind of a rallying call for breaking down the traditions in society, but then the ending is a, such a punishment for people who have broken down the traditions yeah. in society, you know, yeah. in the most brutal way that it kind of seems to justify the view that Pentheus has at the beginning. Yeah. Which is really problematic. And and I don't quite know what to make of it, because I think that the play is also very confused. Yeah. The play, I think, seems to be kind of claiming both sides of the argument at times. Yeah.
1: I mean, when you think of Pentheus as representing government, like, that sort of thing, it is very satisfying until the end, until the very end. Um, Just as a slight tangent, what you Mm -hmm. made me think of was after I listened to this series on Charles Manson, I learned that John Waters and his sort of crew around the Pink Flamingo's time Mm -hmm. were totally fascinated with Charles Manson, Mm -hmm. which actually makes a lot of sense, Mm -hmm. because they're like... You know, they make the movies. Have you seen any of these John Waters ones? Yeah. <laughs> yes, of course you have. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, in, in Pink Flamingos and in the one I saw recently, which was the one he made before Pink Flamingos, Multiple Maniacs, like, there's lots of gratuitous killing. Besides the gratuitous sex and gratuitous everything, it's very, everything about it is gratuitous. But um there's lots of murders, and uh the movies are very, very funny. Um And I... I, when I found out they had this Manson fascination, when I when I knew enough to catch it, I thought it makes perfect sense. It's like the same thing, except not the actual evil side of it. It's like the smashing society. It's the, it's all of that, but like, but not actually killing people. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean like it's the catharsis of
0: that. It's the, the axi- catharsis. <laughs> of it. But
1: they're but they're kind of parallel, right? Like there's there's Bacchus in both of those things. Yep. Like in Manson, it's the incredibly problematic version. Of, like, all these women following this guy who says he's a god, and, like, the gratuitous sex leading to gratuitous murder, and, like, everything about that is... The parallel is problematic. And then you have John Waters, where it's, like, it's all in the movies, but it's movies. It's, like, it's celebrating all of the good things about smashing smashing boundaries and blurring lines without actually killing people and it's it's
0: also (laughs) interesting because I feel like there is a lot of rage being on the other side of you know what society prescribes for you a lot of times you know like it's impossible not to be angry um I think if you're queer and you've been discriminated against if you're black and you've been discriminated against if you are just you know non-conforming in some certain way that makes it really hard for you to exist in the world, I think that it's really hard to, you know, even just being a woman, you know, like I think that every, I think that like, no, but I really do think that like anything that, you know, doesn't give you power obviously makes you angry. And so I think that there is, you know, I think John Waters' films are, like, one, hilarious, but two, so funny. <laughs> they're also like, you know, they're like, kind of like, yes, fuck you, yeah. you know?
1: Don't you wish they'd done a version of the Bacchae with Divine as Dionysus? God, yes! <laughs> yes! Divine
0: would kill it Divine would be an amazing Dionysus. Ah, she, Okay, so for you who don't know, Divine is, the, is, like, the drag queen of all drag queens. Divine,
1: if you've ever seen The Little Mermaid when you were growing up, Divine was the inspiration for Ursula.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> when yeah. When I found that out, that made perfect sense, too. Divine is amazing. Divine is just over the top. Everything over the top, but like so. It's funny. just disgusting in the so best way. Funny. Oh man, we should have like a we should have like a recommended reading and watching list and shit. Like, yeah, like <laughs> I know. We should really. <laughs> listen-
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pink flamingos. Pink flamingos. Watch it, watch it, everybody. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't. It's it's hard for me to decide how I feel about it because there's a point right before they kill Pentheus. Dionysus is a thing. Uh, okay. He says, uh, my women, that ma- that man's now entangled in our net. And I thought that was interesting because he included himself as yeah. being part of the women in that, in that situation. Yeah. And also like, okay, so if you take out the final scene if you take out Agave's character, yeah. I think that it is an empowering thing that they yeah. tear this representation of, you know, patriarchy and order apart. Like, yeah. part of me kind of wishes that just the last scene just didn't exist. Yeah. You know, that they just, it just ended with the killing of Pentheus. I
1: agree. Because they don't really give a reason for you to want him to stay alive. I mean, like... But, but the end is brutal, right? The last scene is brutal. Because, like, even though we haven't... I don't think we meet Agave before this scene. Yeah. But, like, just you know, in the scene she comes in and she's so proud, she's like, I am the best, I have killed this lion, let's, you know, hammer it to the door so everyone will know that I am strong, and kill this lion. And like, once the spell starts kind of wearing off and Cadmus, her father, is like, look at what's in your hand, there's part of her that knows and won't look at it, and so you read it, no matter how many times you see it, like, that moment where she's gonna realize what she's carrying in her hand is gonna come and it's just brutal.
0: It is really brutal, and I think that, I don't know, in some ways I feel like it's a little bit cheap, because it, you know, a mo- we don't know Agave, but yeah. a mother killing her child and then realizing that she kills her child is going to pull on your heartstrings no matter what, because, I mean, you know, you'd have to be a fucking rock not yeah. to feel the pain of that. But in tr- if we're looking at it in terms of gender... Mm-hmm. I feel like this, you know, takes away any possible yeah. empowering moment that we've had before because here we have this woman full of power, full of rage, full of excitement, you know, be completely broken down and yeah. forced to look at her, you know, and go back to wanting to be in the place in the world that she was before she went wild and, you know, left the loom, I think she says literally. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, like, part of me thinks, like, maybe he was, like, forced to tack this last scene on because it was too revolutionary before that, or something, because it just feels like, you know, there's this, there's this kind of, like, building message of this is going to be about the punishment of somebody who denies their own desires and denies celebration, denies joy, Mm -hmm. denies, you know, primalness, whatever, and, um, and then... It kind of switches around with this one scene where Agave, you know, loses her empowerment. Yeah, you know, she she is completely broken by the end. Yeah, she doesn't even know where she's going. I yeah, mean, she like her last line, I think, is, you know, I um, you know, I go off into lands I know not where. You know, she's destroyed and lost by the end. Yeah, I, it's it's the opposite of empowering. I mean, that's the that scene bothered me. Yeah, you know, more than anything else in the play did.
1: One analysis that I was reading pointed out that the way the Bacchae talk about Dionysus doesn't always match up with the way Dionysus acts in this play. Mm -hmm. Where, like, they're talking about the things that we like about it, the wine and the pleasure and the rituals and all of these, like, all of the beautiful bacchanalia things. Um, But the way that Dionysus actually behaves in the play is pure revenge. Mm. It's all revenge, straight through to that last part.
0: There's a bit at the end where he's actually, like, confronted with that. So the final lines um, are, now we understand. Your actions against us are too severe. And then Dionysus r- replies, You insulted me. And then Cadmus replies, Angry gods should not act uh, just like humans. Ooh. Which is a snapback.
1: It's such a snapback. And I'm glad Cadmus gets to say it. I, I am think we can agree too. that Cadmus actually might be the most likely. And then Dionysus
0: finishes by saying Zeus willed this long ago. Which is a cop-out. That's, yeah. not, that's not a response to angry gods should not act just like humans. Yeah, and I, that's and that's the end.
1: And, do you think this play is structured in such a way that we can like the Bacchae and dislike Dionysus? But I like
0: Dionysus. I want to like Dionysus. I mean, I don't like him at the <laughs> end, and I don't and at, at, like I like him all the way through to the very last few scenes. Honestly, like yeah. I don't mind that he's carrying down Pentheus and uh, destroying Pentheus' sense of self because I. Have a kind of I get pleasure from seeing someone who's a representation of you know like patriarchy and chauvinism being torn down in that way. Yeah,
1: and Pentheus is denying Dionysus's self. I mean, his existence. Yes. The divine existence.
0: And if Dionysus I, I'm sorry if I'm sticking to this too much, but if Dionysus is a, me, is, 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 is a metaphor for, yeah. you know, a certain um, type of living, which is outside of prescribed society, mm-hmm. which I think is I, I, I do think that, it, at least yes. from, from yeah. my reading, no. image, that that's what I, I think I mean, they're literally is. in the woods outside. Yeah, <laughs> I exactly. I think that's a right reading. And so, if that's if that's what he's a metaphor for then, you know, Pentheus is the metaphor for you know, kind of a set order mm-hmm. and the fact that set order has its heart, this like, you know, fascinating nation with uh the desires that it, it it um denies about itself i think is you know very true and very telling and the yeah. fact that his own repression and denial of self is what brings him down i also feel like is very you know it's all something that i'm on board with like yes. like i i don't dislike dionysus as a character when he's dealing with pentheus yeah i dislike dionysus as a character when he's dealing with agave
1: yes yep i think that's right and like he's the god.
0: The gods always win. I guess. <laughs> I mean that. I mean the the play is also very weird because, you know, again, my perception of it was really different from what it was. Yes. Yeah. Because I was all like, "Fuck tradition. That's the meaning." but they keep repeating over and over and over again the course that this is actually about tradition. Yeah, that, that they tradition don't is the they're most not giving him they... the
1: offerings or the or the toasts or whatever they're supposed to Dionysus or I, I don't remember if it's Dionysus or the Bacchae but someone points this out at some point like they're yeah. refusing to give me the offerings like that I deserve as the god that I am.
0: Yeah, and like I think I think that like a couple of times they outright say this is the lesson of this play. Yeah. Listen to the gods and follow their traditions. Yeah. And to be
1: fair, if their traditions are wine and theater and pleasure, like I'm down. Yeah, I don't know if I want to be tearing people
0: limb from limb. Well, I mean that is the side of the bacchanal that I think was is is there. I mean, like I don't yeah. think it can be denied. I mean, it's
1: tragedy. Man, why do these tragedies have to be so tragic? Why do they have to be so tragic?
0: No, but, but these tragedies are lessons, right? So, yes. like, I guess, okay, what's the lesson we're supposed to be learning aside from the fact that you should respect Dionysus? Don't fuck with the, the gods. L- <laughs> yeah. Aside from the fact that hubris is bad. Hubris is bad. But like the lesson, what's the lesson that we're learning about society?
1: Pop quiz. <laughs> um, <sorry. laughs> I mean, I think we've talked about like that the set sort of moral. Law is not always necessarily the right thing, right? That you have to be able to participate in the bacchanalia in the woods. I just, I don't know. I just if feel someone like someone says they're Dionysus, join the party.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't dip. Don't stay home and watch Netflix and Dionysus not invites you the to their to party. Home. I just feel like for a play that so much concerns women, there's just not enough women in yeah. it.
1: So I'm wondering in the context of when this play was performed, and I don't know, uh, I shouldn't say the caveat, I don't know a whole lot, I didn't do research about the history, but I imagine that in some ways it could have been really sort of um, subversive and cathartic to see these sort of gender characters yeah. and to see that desire, because it's those times, maybe you have to have that thing at the end where everyone's punished, but just because everyone's punished, yeah. it's, like a, it's like in old film noirs or something like in the yeah. 40s where like the femme fatale gets punished but she's the strongest, coolest character in the movie most yeah. of the time.
0: No, I kind of I kind of feel that way about this. Like I feel like if you cut off the, the last third, you yeah. know.
1: That's like the Hayes Code adding a little moral coda yeah. but actually the parts exactly. that we like that are subversive are maybe what people were intended to get from it.
0: I want to look up what the, um, the last line of the chorus member is just to see like if they yeah. end well. While- Who ends the play? Is it? Uh I think I think it might be the chorus. Uh here we go. That guy. Yeah, so the last line is the chorus leader. And she says, "The gods appear in many forms, carrying with them unwelcome things. What people thought would happen never did. What they did not expect the gods made happen. That's what the story has revealed." <laughs> This one's so good. Which I feel like actually is a meta narrative yeah, <laughs> <laughs> on our on our Euripides knew players. what he was doing. <laughs> man, Euripides was a pretty good character. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was like this isn't gonna make you comfortable, y'all. This isn't simple.
1: <laughs> oh man. This might be a good time to interject and say that Pesha and I wanted to really stick with the theme for this <laughs> one. So we've been drinking Bloody Mary's for the whole recording. Oh, um, yeah,
0: so it might be a little bit loose recording.
1: <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's the Bacai. What
0: else would we do? We, you gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> That's the key part.
1: We can't deny the god. You guys
0: are just lucky that we're not in the woods right now. That's all that I'm saying. For all that they know, for all that
1: they know. There's no woods here.
0: Exactly. (laughs) watch out pentheus of the world and I guess I don't know I guess kind of like as the chorus leader said maybe it's okay that the the play is problematic like maybe it's supposed to be showing us that things aren't simple you know like that as much as I would like there to be a genderqueer utopia where there are no rules and we all get to party in the woods and drink a lot of wine and kill homophobic men yeah. That can't kill homophobic man without some consequences. Yeah.
1: No, it's a good point. I mean, it,
0: I that, guess, that, that,
1: that utopia can exist and that yeah, that it's 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 never going to be such even for the gods it's not that straightforward. Yeah. Like Dionysus could just like hang out in the woods with his with his bacchae and like have the utopia. Mm. But he has to he can't. He has he to can't. take revenge. Um so you had an idea of Sorting some of our characters uh, yes. into Hogwarts houses. Yes, as a into way.
0: Hogwarts houses. <laughs> All right,
1: because we hope most most of you listening are familiar with Harry Potter, and if you're not. What rock have you been hiding under? I mean, you know, go read
0: Harry Potter, first and foremost. <laughs> Before thing. you read Euripides, read some reads
1: reads him, reads him, uh, Harry Potter. Modern classics. Come on. I reread them it. recently, by the way, another tangent. Still I reread them all recently. They're fantastic. They are less escapism than they were when I first read them. Oh. In, a, in the Trump era, it was like... Voldemort feels very real. <laughs> like Dolores Umbridge feels very real. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like,
0: the whole ministry. I mean, it's like a, there's pretty good, sophisticated political critique in there. Yeah. Okay, and, we probably shouldn't get into this now. No, okay, but, this is a whole other thing. I I, um, I have like a lot of feelings about how close Harry Potter got to being true to being like truly great literature and how it like didn't quite go all the way. Oh my god, and we should talk about this sometime. I, I'm so curious. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, but then we keep gonna sorting, anyway. sorting, 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 sorting. Okay. Um, so should we just do an order of appearance? So starting with Tiresias and then Cadmus, yeah. um, and then Pentheus, then Dionysus. Dionysus is first. Dionysus is oh, right, like right, right, first. Alright, right, alright. Right. Dionysus opens. Um so Dionysus, Dionysus. Ooh, That's hard. I feel like Dionysus is uh, probably Gryffindor.
1: I was gonna say Slytherin. This oh, is think so Slytherin? funny. That okay. We, that we've come away with such different feelings about <laughs> this play. But it makes but that makes perfect sense with the way both of us have been talking about the way we felt about it. Yeah, yeah. Because I am having such a hard time escaping this manson parallel. Yeah. So to me it's like it's like you think he's, it's like, Slytherin. a manipulator. Yeah, and I that, don't think he's... And the followers, this is the thing, actually. That first maybe. of all, I think there's some a, a trend to, to be... That Slytherin is cool all of a sudden. Like, yeah. people think, I'm Slytherin. Like, Taylor Swift is Slytherin. But, um...
0: Well, because she's evil? <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe. But, um... Although, I, I but, will I will have an argument for Slytherin, but my argument for Slytherin is probably heavily based off of reading, like, Draco-centric fanfiction when I was 12. It,
1: yeah, but I think that's legitimate. Like, there's... With Draco, with Voldemort, there's like a sexiness to Slytherin, and they the Slytherin people have all the followers, and like Dionysus has all the followers, the I mean, followers who aren't necessarily individual I mean, people. They're I, just I like, see
0: the sexy argument, but I feel like Dionysus is all about lack of forethought. I feel like Dionysus is sure. all about just like the it. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. And I think that also his actions here are pretty intense and and like you know emotional. Without necessarily being, like, a larger plan. You know what I mean? Doesn't that sound slytherin though? No. Slytherins, I feel like, they plan things out. Like, Slytherins, I feel like... Like, Slytherins are, like, the plotty people, I feel like. Like, whereas, like, Gryffindors, I feel like, are the emotional people, right? Like, I feel like Gryffindors are more likely to be, like, schoolyard bullies... Where Slytherins are more likely to be like the asshole who you know publishes your secrets in the papers, uh, but you yeah, never know who they are. Kills you. I don't know. I see your But Slytherin. Think... Okay, so like a Slytherin <laughs> would kill you by poisoning you, and you would never know who actually killed you, and they would end up being like you know the king. But it would, it would be through very mysterious circumstances. Yeah. Whereas a Gryffindor would, like, stab you. Yeah. Dionysus is very much the stabby type. He this burns people's houses down and then parades them through and then, like, has true. them torn to pieces. Like, I think that Dionysus... And he's
1: clever, which is totally a Gryffindor thing.
0: Yeah. I think... I don't... To me, Dionysus is very Gryffindor.
1: I can see it either way. I can see him being the one who gets under the sorting hat and has to, you know... Yeah. He, he's Maybe he's asshole. a Harry Potter. <laughs> he's totally a Harry Potter. Yeah. Harry Potter is a flawed character, too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's so funny. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's move on All to right. Cadmus, Tiresias? Um. They both show up around the same yeah. time, so I let's think. Let's
0: do Tiresias and Cadmus. Uh,
1: I like Cadmus, so I really... Well, no, they're probably both Ravenclaw. I think they're both Ravenclaw. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're totally Ravenclaw, both yeah. Ravenclaw. Yeah, done. That was easy. <laughs> um, Pentheus.
0: Pentheus. I would also say... Gryffindor, just because he reminds me of Percy Weasley so much. Ah, ooh, that's a really, that's a hard
1: point to argue. I was gonna say Slytherin because he reminded me of, like, Loris Umbridge, Mm. but she wasn't officially... Was she a Slytherin? She was, uh, sympathetic to Slytherin.
0: No, but what was her house? I don't know if
1: it ever clarifies what her house was.
0: I'm looking at Pottermore.com. I like this
1: podcast, Besha, because it's just so unabashedly... Dorky. (laughs) No, we go full nerd, guys. Full nerd. Full
0: nerd. Pottermore.com. Seventh
1: book, I think she has the Slytherin necklace. And if you remember, like, remember Ron wears it for a while and gets really, like, gloomy? Slytherin. You're right. Of course she's Slytherin. I mean, what else could she be? That makes sense. Um, So, I can see Pentheus as Slytherin because he reminds me of Dolores Umbridge, but I actually think the Percy Weasley is a better parallel. Yeah, I think that makes more sense with Pentheus. Okay, Pentheus Weasley.
0: Pentheus Weasley. Yeah, it right.
1: It's a Gryffindor, but it takes a little while for him to embrace it.
0: Exactly. Also, he's, like, he's like Percy if he wasn't born into his lovely family. Yes.
1: Also, his mother does mistake him for a lion. Oh, the symbolism!
0: Yeah. You know what they knew. Euripides knew Harry Potter was coming. <laughs> Euripides wrote Harry Potter, man. Yeah, I mean, Euripides <laughs> <with> is the real <laughs> Tyrus. <laughs>
1: Oh, man. Euripides is totally Dumbledore.
0: Yeah, 100%. Um,
1: And then we have Agave.
0: Agave? She's there so little that I have no idea, honestly. She could be any of them.
1: She's not a Slytherin. No. I would say she's not a Gryffindor. I don't think she's very brave. She doesn't join the Buckeye of her own...
0: Maybe a Ravenclaw or a Hufflepuff.
1: Or a Hufflepuff. I mean, Puff. God bless Hufflepuff. But,
0: but I mean, like I just I don't want to make her a Hufflepuff just because we don't know. You know, this is true. Like I, you, know, I, I, I stand for the Hufflepuffs. The poor little. Hufflepuffs. I know. I
1: feel for the Hufflepuffs.
0: Everybody's always hating on them. I know. But you know, like a Hufflepuff. Cedric Diggory is a hard was a Hufflepuff. Barker. A Hufflepuff <laughs> is a loyal person. Those are all really good, <laughs> good qualities to have. Oh my god. But I don't know if Agave. I don't. I don't just don't know anything about Agave aside from the fact that she loves her son. She um, could
1: actually be a Slytherin following the wrong thing.
0: Yeah. I could see that. We can
1: make a lot of cases for Agave. But again, it goes back to the thing that's problematic, Agave. which is that we don't really get to see her.
0: Yeah, Agave's a
1: cypher. Agave the cypher. Yeah. I wonder if he wrote a sequel called Agave. Agave's a muggle. Agave <laughs> is holy. Oh, she's the squid. She's, she's born the into a <laughs> has no power.
0: She's <laughs> <It's> a squid. <laughs> why she's so bitter and doesn't want to make her <laughs> sister is a powerful witch. Yes. She's on Petunia. Oh yeah, she's yeah. totally... Yeah. Horigave. Forced to kill Dudley.
1: <laughs> so, we've think... gone on so many different loops for this play. And I think it's important to show that they were... Like, people who always talk about traditional values and the way things were. It's important to show these plays that are so old and say, well...
0: Even then, it wasn't yeah, totally. I hadn't clear. Even thought about that. Yeah, that, that's that's totally true. Take that, Donald yeah. Trump. <laughs> Take that, Donald. Donald
1: Trump doesn't read, unfortunately. And there's a lot of big words that he wouldn't understand. No, but like, it's but it's important. He I think it's, it. this be... myth of things were just normal. and Everyone. Donald box. Trump
0: doesn't drink. I did know that. So I'm just saying he's not worshipping Bacchus. Yeah, he is totally. So he not, is deus for He is totally a pantheist think it's okay that it's problematic because i think yeah. it's it, these things don't really have easy answers you yeah. know
1: and they wouldn't be as interesting or as long-lasting if they had easy answers like what's wonderful about some of these places they have so much i mean they are complicated there's moral things to chew on there's things about fate there's things about who deserves what like i think if agave more clearly deserved it it would be a less interesting play
0: yeah, yeah. true i don't know. I feel like talked myself back into liking it actually. I know, I'm glad we had this conversation. <laughs> Cause I came in a bit a bit like, uh, you know, this isn't as great as I thought. But now I feel like I've gotten back to the point where it's like, okay, if Agave was also like Pentheus kind of a representation of heteronormativity and chauvinism, then I'm kind of I'm I'm, I'm more okay with the punishment. Yeah. Even if it's horrific. Even if it's so bad that it makes you feel uncomfortable. It should make you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. I think you don't
1: want to come out on the side of the team who's ripping people from limb to limb without a little bit of
0: discomfort. And I don't think you have to necessarily be on one side completely or another, right? Like, yeah. I think that's why that last part of the play, you know, where the chorus says, okay, the gods bring them them with the things that are sometimes unfortunate, that you don't want and that you don't expect. And when, you know, Cadmus says, this is too much, and Dionysus is the only real response, is like, eh. <laughs>
1: That's what I'm
0: the god of. <laughs> what did you expect? I don't know what you thought we had. My God, we do. I don't know what you thought we even bring into the table. <laughs> that um, like um that what was I trying to say? I guess my point is that like you know it's um like tragedies in some ways are very true to life and that disaster when it comes is unfair and too far and you know even if you did something that triggered that disaster it's usually it doesn't necessarily it's not justice in the sense of justice being fair yeah how are we gonna end this I think we should just end this by saying um everybody watch some John Waters okay yeah our recommendations read Harry Potter again Harry Potter watch Pink Flamingos and uh, just think about your sexuality think about you know you know, just think about queerness in general. Think
1: about queerness. Always good to be thinking about queerness. I'm also going to recommend the podcast I listen to about Charles Manson, mm-hmm. which is a podcast called You Must Remember This, which is actually about um, like the secret histories of Hollywood and movies.
0: Thank you very much for listening. Um, hopefully we'll come back at you should again. We say, should we give our Twitter handles? Again? Yeah, sure.
1: Okay, so if you want to get in touch with us about anything you heard, anything... Any thoughts you have? Like, we clearly love talking about this stuff. (laughs) Um, If you
0: disagree with our Hogwarts house uh, sortings, like, you know. We're open to. Open to argument. Yeah,
1: we love talking about that, too. (laughs) Um, So you can find me, Katie, on Twitter at KatrinkaSasha, which is K-A-T-R-I-N-K-A-S-A-S-H-A.
0: And you can find me, Pesha, at P-Mageed, uh, capital P, capital M-A-G-I-D. All right. It's been great talking to you guys. Oh, <laughs> <laughs>